Let's open God's word together. The title of the message is True Love, True Love, and we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 4, 1 John 4, <laughs> verses 7 through 12. If you don't happen to have your Bible today and you see somebody, well, if you do happen to have your Bible today and you see somebody without theirs, just take a look over and you guys read God's word together. 1 John, if you hit the maps, just go back a few books and you'll be right there. While you're finding First John, do you, um, Pooch, I was reminded of you today, because um, I know the text we were having, Jose was telling me that uh, there's a song you used to sing in your Presbyterian church uh, in Cuba, and, and, uh, and it's funny because for me, um, what, what uh, Pooch, I didn't know, her childhood wonderful song, um, I learned a version as well, saved in 1975, it was right between the Jesus... Uh, movement and the charismatic movement, and so I was, you know, I, I came into church uh, in Orlando, Florida, back before Disney, and so I'm, I've got all my appropriate redneck wear on. I've got my my cow, my hat, and I used to wear a Marine Corps hat, and and evidence of salvation is when I took the Confederate flag off the back of it, and uh, when when God began to change this young racist boy. And, uh, and, and so it's amazing that I'm an honorary member here when I used to wear a Confederate flag, okay? Uh, talk about the grace of God. But um, at the same time, we, uh, it was a cool song for a 15-year-old boy because we would sing the first verses of what we're going to read. And it was a cheesy song, though. I mean, the, the, God's word was great, but the song, Beloved, let us love one another, and it ended with First John 4, 7, and 8. And, and it was just so campy. It stunk even to me because, you know, I'm listening to Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, and we're doing First John 4, 7, and 8, you know, and it's like, this stinks. But the awesome thing about it was is in the youth group, we all hugged each other. So you got to hug some good-looking girls on occasion, and one of them I married. And... Um, <laughs> So the, the good news was that happened, well, 10 years ago, I mean, 10 years later in 85, I'm now on staff. This is a 1,500-member a United Methodist Church in South Orlando at, the, at that time when I was on the staff. And it had moved from the youth group to big church, and we're still doing that song. And boy, I remember just hating that time in the service. Because we'd sing that song and you'd have, to, you'd have to hug a bunch of people you didn't know. And it was so creepy. I mean, because, you know, sometimes you could... I was married then. I wasn't interested in hugging girls, and that's good. And, and I certainly wasn't interested in, in hugging, you know, grandmas, abuelas with pancake makeup and they would leave stuff on my, my suit. And, you know, it was, just, it was just... But the real reason that song was the problem is because I had no clue what I was singing about. I mean, we're supposed to love one another, but I I didn't know what that... I had an intuitive sense of that, but I really didn't know what God's Word was saying about that. So what we want to look at today is true love, biblically defined. John defines love. And so we want to look at at true love. So let's look at our text today. I'm reading out of the ESV. (coughs) Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. 
And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So today we're going we're to just trot out four, four little points here. God, God is the source of love. God is the source of love. Then we're going to learn that God's love is true love. So God's the source, and his love is true love. And then we're going to see that God, I hope, God manifests his true love in us and through us. And then last, how tragic to have a sermon on the love of God without taking time to remind you today, afresh, again, that God loves you. So we're going to look at God being the source We're going to look at God's love being the only true love. We're going to then talk about God manifesting his love in us and through us to others. And then, of course, how better to end than reminding those of us that many times forget or wonder about God's love, assuring us afresh that God loves us. And there's a little little takeaway truth I hope we walk away with, because this, this is a confusing text at times. It goes all over the page. So we want to take a little truth away. We're, and, and here's the point, in, in my mind, of this passage. Sacrificially loving Christians, hear this carefully, sacrificially loving Christians provides positive proof that you've experienced God's saving love. So to sacrificially love, and let's pull it down, to sacrificially love the people in this room. They're not the only Christians, duh. But John was writing to a local church, a group of local churches around Turkey, to sacrificially love the folks in this room provides positive proof that you and I have experienced God's saving love. So let's pray. Lord, thanks so much we can be together. And oh, glorious Father, Lord, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, so we can know you better. Lord, we pray, we ask that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you've called us to. Lord, the riches of your glorious inheritance in your people and your incomparably great power for us who believe. Lord, help me to preach, help all of us to hear, to understand, to obey, and to use these truths to comfort and make disciples of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I've got to do a little, little background quick because this is a part of a series we've been preaching at 1 John. But let me give you a quick little thing about First John, the book of 1 John, because it can appear confusing until you kind of get like a, little, a couple of mile markers here. 
First um, John, he John has a, a habit both in his gospel, but particularly, and I know you've covered the gospel of John, so a lot of this will be popping for you. But John has a habit in this epistle. It's written to the church, primarily to Ephesus, and the churches surrounding there, about the same churches that the book of Revelation was written to. It's written a number about 15 years later after the Gospel of John and about five years before the book of Revelation was written. And what John does, he's got this literary device that he does so well, and it's sweet. He'll, he'll trot out something, and then, sorry, I'm being Southern right now. He will, he will bring, hey, y'all, he'll bring something to the table, and then he'll circle around and talk about it again. And in a way that, that makes it full, rich, he deepens our understanding. He looks at it from a different perspective. And he does that through, with three or four themes in this book again and again and again. So what you're doing in this little text, you are, we're doing the second pass. It's the second touch and go. And he, he wants to, for us to explore this a little deeper. The other thing that's important to remember in this text is they've had the mother of all church splits. A group of folks have left, and they are folks that are, are preaching a false gospel. And what they're doing is they are reaching back into their old friends, and they're saying, no, we know God. We don't sin. We have higher knowledge. We have a better gospel. And they're actively evangelizing and seducing this church and the churches in that region. So what John is doing is he's writing to combat these heresies, but that, that's, he's, there's a lot of warnings. But the real issue that John's after, he's writing to assure those Christians that are still there, the genuine Christians, as opposed to these false folks who profess faith but don't know God. He's writing to, to warn them about these seducing teachers, but he's also writing mainly to give them assurance that they really are in the faith. And he does this by a series of difficult questions and we're gonna, or difficult tests. And we're going to look at one today, right in this text. These difficult tests. But what you have to remember is, John is assuming, it's a rhetorical question, John is assuming every time he brings a hard thing to bear, he is assuming that the answer of his hearers is a resounding yes. Whoa, yes. And, and he knows that's going to happen. So these tough questions, believe it or not, are meant to bring assurance that they are in the faith. So it's very important so you avoid the pit of condemnation this morning and false guilt that you get that. Now let's jump right into the text in the time we have. First point, God is the source of true love. Now look down at your Bible. So let's read verses 7 and 8 again. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Well, John, he's, he's bringing out the word beloved, and, and he uses dear children, children, and beloved. John is awesome. He is all about reaffirming his affection for his folks. But it's the affection of a spiritual father, a father in the faith. He reminds them of love. He reminds them of his acceptance and his love for them. Before he moves, every time you see beloved in John, he's about to, to, to bring out something. He wants them to pay special 
attention to. John is like the, the, the perfect barista. He's, he's going he's to bring out this thing of, of strong but smooth. And he blends it together, and he does it in just the opposite order. He brings this, this smoothness, reminding them of their affection, his affection, his love, and then strength. Because John is after them doing something. John is like James. He's after them doing something. But he's also going to equip them with the gospel, the gospel motive and the gospel power, so they know the how and why of what he's asking them to do, so they can obey in faith with a great hope and a complete assurance that God is for them and God will accomplish in them what he asks of them. That's very important. That's why John will say his commands are not burdensome. God is for them. God is for you. If you're a Christian, God is for you. God has asked, God has demanded, God has required. But he wants you to have confidence and faith that he is in you and he will equip you and will bring to pass through you what he has commanded you to do. We're not left alone as orphans. We're not trying to obey in order to be accepted. We are accepted. And now he wants his children in the family to be good kids and to represent him well. So you've got to get the order right. It's critical mass. John's, John's exhortation to love one another is this fine example of John's favorite method. He's revisiting a theme. He's revisiting a command. He's circling around. He's taking his time. He's not afraid to repeat himself. But he does it in a way that drills down deeper and deeper and broadens his explanation and sheds more light on these commands. And it's a way that informs and motivates and brings hope. It brings sober warning and comparison. And he also brings glory to God, and he makes God larger in their eyes. So he's going to remind them of yet, this is about the third or fourth test now, about the fourth test right now. He's going to trot out another test and say, you're in the faith, right? And remember the answer is, yes. And, and he's going to remind us that, that love provides the evidence that one is born of God that one is a child of God, that one has been saved, that one has been born again. Loving one another provides this evidence. If you, here's the hard truth. If you don't practice love, you're not a Christian. So you see, sacrificially loving other Christians provides this positive proof that you too have experienced God's saving love. Because if you don't love, it's not Jim, John, you don't know God. Don't know God going to hell. My, what, what are we to do with that? Then is anyone a Christian? I mean, is anybody a Christian? Are we all doomed? Who loves enough? Who loves all the time? Who loves sacrificially? Or maybe the other 
The opposite side is true. Well, really, then, everybody's a Christian. I mean, goodness, last week was Mother's Day. What mom doesn't love? Duh. So which is it? No one's a Christian? We're all doomed? Everyone's a Christian. Because, like, you know, my dog loves me. Well, the love that John is talking about, the love he's referring to, the love he's explaining, the love he's defining, the love he's expecting, the love he is commanding, is impossible for you and I to do. John, God, demands the impossible. The love he is talking about is impossible. It's impossible for us to even have. It's not innate in us. It's not a learned behavior. It's not a product of socialization. It's not a product of education. It's impossible for us to have. It's impossible for us to grasp. It's impossible for us to learn. Why? Because love is from God. This love is supernatural in its origin. The love he's talking about. Not the love that the world can experience, the love that the world can even sometimes give, but true love. Not this common grace love that we're talking about. And and at its best, when the world loves, at its very best, it's a dim and distorted reflection of true love, God's love. At its worst, it's a serious and selfish perversion masquerading as love. See, true love... God's very own love is <laughs> love is from God. True love, God's very own love, is a gift of God to his children. And hear this very carefully. It's a gift only and exclusively to his children. That's why sacrificial love, the type of love, true love that John is talking about, provides positive proof that you've experienced God's saving love. No love, no knowledge of God. Because it shows he has not given you that gift. That's tough, isn't it? So it's the litmus test. It's not the sole and exclusive test, but right here in 1 John in this passage, it's the litmus test of whether you're born again, whether you truly know God, whether you've, it's, it's a test, now get this, it's a test of observable love. Not love just in your head and in your heart and with your mouth. It involves all that, but it's got to be observable. It's a litmus test, it's exhibited. It's God's children truly loving one another with God's type of love. God's children truly loving one another, not with their own love, but with God's type of love. Of love. So, do you pass the test? Here's a question. Do you exhibit? Do you evidence? Do you practice? Okay, no, no. Do you actively practice true love towards the people in this room? Not just do you do it, do you pursue it? Not just does it happen on occasion, are you actively engaged? Not just are you actively engaged, but are you actively engaged to the point it represents sacrifice? Dude, that's hard, isn't it? 
Do you treat the command? No, 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 let me rephrase it. I trust most everybody in here. You don't smoke crack. You don't jack cars. You don't beat your wife, gentlemen. You don't cheat on your wife, gentlemen. You know, your mom would be proud of you. I don't break the law. I don't mistreat my wife. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Good. Those commands that you follow with focus and fervor, do you follow this command? Beloved, let us love one another. Do you follow this command like you follow those commands? Because, by the way, these are commands, and these are commands. Or do we treat this command like the speed limit sign on the palmetto? Now, that was a very pregnant laugh. Okay. No one really obeys the speed limit on the palmetto, except for Alpino if his car is wobbling. Okay. No one really obeys the speed limit on the palmetto. There's no trooper present. You're in a hurry anyway. It's no problem. It's no big deal. It's not like anybody's committing murder. Everybody is doing 80 on the palmetto. What's the big deal for me to do 75? Well, truly knowing God, truly being born of God, truly being his son or daughter, certain it, shouldn't it surely result in some family resemblance? Shouldn't you kind of look like your heavenly Father, shouldn't you resemble your elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ? Here's the question. Do you look like Christ? Do you love like Christ? Because that's how you look like Christ, is to love like Christ. The family resemblance is in character. The family resemblance is in activity. The family resemblance is in obeying the command, beloved Let us love one another. Pretty amazing. We know that there are reasonable rules in every family that there's an active and engaged loving dad, right? I mean, every dad that loves his fam has got some rules, house rules. Well, here's a question. Do you, do I, do we obey this command of our Heavenly Father, the house rule? Because it's amazing. It's love one another. Now, other places in the Bible talks about loving the world and loving people in the world and being ministers of reconciliation, evangelism, da 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 Yes, not this verse. Other places in the Bible talk about loving God, not this verse. This verse narrows it down. This verse is a pinpoint. This verse says... Do you love? I mean, if you can think, here I am, you know, one of John's representatives. John's in his 90s. He's sending a younger guy to a church about four days out. And he's got this scroll-looking thing, and he's reading this letter to a local congregation and how they would hear it and how we must hear it. 
Do you love the people in this room? Now, what's cool is we're not left to figure out what this love looks like. But before we ID the love, let's talk about what love ain't. Here's the speed limit sign. Love one another. Palmetto Expressway. (sighs) Here's some indicators you may be disregarding the sign. Let me be the trooper right now. I'll stand out of the car and I'll point the gun. Radar. In your heart and head, the opposite of loving one another biblically. As a matter of fact, John, just several verses back, talked about this a lot. Hatred. Anybody in this room, in your heart of hearts, secretly, you can't stand. If you go to the picnic today, you won't sit by them. Anybody in your, that's in this room, that's in your family. How about just bitterness or unforgiveness? Low lying, like a low grade fever that's always there. And as a matter of fact, it's, it's been with you so long that it only comes out on rare occasion. I've been married like almost 32 years. Corey knows that, like my wife, she knows that, that my Corey as opposed to your Corey. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Al's Corey, but that's a little creepy. Um, <laughs> so, C-O-R-R-I, my Corey. She's much prettier than that Corey, in my opinion. I know you. But, um, and she's a lot shorter. Um, but, Corey knows that um, if she mashes the right button and Jim goes from zero to 60 and remembering something in our marriage 10 years ago, you said that again, you're always, and and she's like, what alien just captured your body? (laughs) Oh, for me, that's the red light. If I go to DEFCON 5 at zero to 60 in 20 seconds, Oh, I know. Jimbo, look for unforgiveness. Look for bitterness. It's one thing to put away unforgiveness and bitterness. It's another thing to, at that moment, remember, beloved, let us love one another. What does love look like right then? How about selfishness? You know, avoid, okay, now these are things you, oh, well, no, I'll take that back. Let's, before we go to selfishness, let's go to another one. What about gossip and slander and mean-spirited little, again, you're in a fight with a friend. You're in a fight, let's just do fights here. You're in a fight in this room where you're commanded to love the Christians in this room. A fight cannot look like a fight. A fight can look like, A mean-spirited, well-placed shot. You know the leg they limp on. Kick it. It's an evidence of bitterness. It's certainly not loving. How about, did you see what they did? 
in our part of the country, um, gossip is legal. It's not a sin. And, but the way we get away with it is we call it a prayer request. Now, I know no one in South Florida would have a prayer request that's really gossip. Because I know, particularly in, in Latin culture, no one would gossip. Sin doesn't care what color your hair is, does it? Selfishness. How about avoiding love? How about being apathetic towards love? How about just being kind of lazy towards love? I know I'm supposed to actively love. I know I'm supposed to sacrificially love. I know I'm supposed to be proactive in my love. After all, Christ came after me. Christ sacrificed for me. Christ laid his life down for me. Christ loved me before I loved him. And this is the love of God. Not that I love him, but that he loves me first. Christ will never leave me or forsake me. Christ loves me no matter what. Christ loves me at great cost. That's what John's been trotting out the last verses back. Loving like Christ loved and laying down your life. It's what Paul talks about in Ephesians 5. For husbands loving their wives. It's what Mark talks about in Mark 10. To serve everyone and to lay your life down. That's what love looks like. What love doesn't look like is this laissez-faire, I'll love tomorrow attitude. We think that being apathetic towards the sign as we drive by at 85 is legal. It's really a sign that right then you're not acting like you know God. Because God's love and it's God's nature to love and God's kids ought to look like him. And God's never apathetic in his love towards us, is he? How you doing with loving people in this room? I would like to call it apathetic. I would like to call it avoiding love. I'd like to call it I deserve a break from love. Never, never deserving a break of being loved. I always need to be loved. But... But today is not your day for me to love you. Here's what John would call that. Disobedience. How about worldliness? I'm distracted. I have a wrong focus. Oh, I, I procre- I'll love you tomorrow. Today, I got to wash my car. I'll love you tomorrow. Today, i got to earn some more jack. And, and I need to earn some more jack so I can love you better after we both retire. And i got to love you tomorrow, kids, because I'm saving. i got to work now to save for your college in 22 and a half years. Well... If you have distracted love, perhaps you need to dial back a little bit, back into 1 John, a couple verses back, because he talks about what worldliness looks like, and a lack of focus and distracted love can be a symptom of worldliness. Now again, let's remember what worldliness means. If you don't love because you're worldly, there's a Bible word for that. It's called disobedience. There's another Bible word for all of these avoiding the sign. It's called sin. Avoiding the command is sinning against God. 
So, do you pass the test? Probably not. Let me give you some good news out of 1 John before everybody just goes home and no one goes to the picnic. (laughs) Except for that person that no one's going to sit beside anyway. (laughs) Which is hilarious because who you're thinking about, you can take to the bank that somebody in this room has got your name in their head. Okay. Um, We just all think the other person's weird. Okay. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess the sins we're just talking about right now, God is faithful to forgive our sins. God is just to forgive our sins. He exhibits justice because Jesus died for that sin. So he killed Christ, his son, for that sin. God is faithful because that sacrifice is efficient. It's effective. It's eternal. Guess what? Every time you say, that's me. He says, not no problem. He says, I killed him for that. But I got some good news for you. You're forgiven. And he doesn't just forgive us. Here's hope. He purifies and cleanses us. That big word in that text, propitiation, it means to take away the guilt, the stain. It means literally to take away the physical sin, but also its guilt and its stain. It's what 1 John 1.9 is talking about. Listen, if you're busted right now because you blow past the sign of obeying the command to love one another, and even if you blow past it going, la, 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 la. No, God is still aware that you are disobedient. And he'd like to give you some good news. Pony up and Repent. You're forgiven, and I'll cleanse you. That's great news. John wrote earlier in the chapter as well, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But, oh, this is good news. But if anyone does sin, it was a given. John was not expecting perfection. He was expecting presence. If anyone does sin. Good news for you. you got an advocate with a father. And it's his son. And he's perfectly righteous. He's not your prosecuting attorney. He's your defense attorney. The one who died for you is defending you. And when your conscience goes, guilty! And you go, crud, you're right. You can look up because your advocate with the Father is pleading your cause and God is greater. The, The objective truth that that is occurring is greater than what you're feeling right now because God's greater than your heart. Your heart is screaming. It's okay to agree with your heart. That's called confessing your sin. But don't fall on your sword. Remember, he's greater than that. He's paid for that sin. He'll cleanse you from that sin. And here's the good news. We'll get there. He gives you the power to be different. And you can look and act different than today. You know, it is actually possible, perhaps not in Miami, but in South Carolina, it is possible to obey the speed limit. No, I've done it once or twice. It's really possible. Okay, let's move to our next text. Okay. Oh, the good news. 
I just saw a text appear. Is Revelation there? Whoever's doing that? It magically appeared on the screen. Never mind. Let's keep moving. Okay, we're supposed to love one another with God's love. And God, John has defined that as he, he, he stands, here's what he does. Before, he, he, he stood there and he said, you want the definition of God's love? Let's not do that here. You want the definition of God's love? John didn't define it. Here's what he did. He, just, he did this. Look at Christ on Calvary. Visual number one. You want to know intuitively every single thing there is to know about this type of love? You can't do it. You can't do what he did. But you want to know what it tastes and what it touches and what it feels like and what it looks like? Oh, that's simple. That's all John does. He doesn't say another word. He just says this. Now, God's love, point two, God's love is true love. Let's look down at verse nine. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son. So John moves from a couple verses back going, look at Jesus. Now he involves the entire trinity. <laughs> look at what God did. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this, in Calvary. In the Father crushing the Son. In the Father sending the Son to die for your and my sins. In the Father having turned His face away from Christ. Oh, the nails, piece of cake. The agony, the physical asphyxiation, the heart being crushed, Jesus dying the most painful death. Piece of cake. That's not what Gethsemane was about. What was it about? Why did Jesus fall to the ground several times, three times? Why did Jesus sweat and was stressed out to the point of his capillaries bursting and he's dripping with blood mixed with sweat? It wasn't because he was going to be crucified as a criminal of Rome. That's not what Gethsemane was about. He knew that the Father who had loved him in eternity, was going to turn his face away. Because my sin was going to be hanging there on that cross. In this is love. That God sent his son. God made a sacrifice of the son of his love and sent him to die for folks like you and me. John says, oh, the love I'm talking about, true love? You want to know what that looks like? Oh, that's cool. Eight verses ago, I, I pointed to what Jesus did. By the by, um, let me point to you another type of sacrifice. That's him laying down his life. Let me talk to you about a father sacrificing his son for such as us. Oh, love? Exhibit B, right there. And it's the same snapshot from a different perspective. Oh, this, in this is the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might, oh, here's the good news. Ha, this is why we get to beloved love one another. It's not this burdensome command that I hate. No, that we might live through him. You can just take down the slides, don't worry about it. That we might live through him. 
God, God just didn't die solely and exclusively for your sins to be forgiven. He died so that he could give you eternal life. Life that's waiting for you after you're dead. But not life only waiting for you after you're dead. Life for you to experience right now. Heaven has burst in to the here and now. And he died for the propitiation of your sins. Take away your sins. Take away the guilt to purify you. Turn away God's wrath. That was enough. But he also died so that you could live and have a life, his spirit living in you. And that life, part of that life, is him giving you a supernatural love. The very love that he has for his son, he gives to you. He has for you, but in this verse, the focus is he gives to you. Beloved, let us love one another. Love is from God. Everyone that loves is born of God. Everyone that loves knows God. Of course, if we don't love, we don't know God. Because he's expecting you to say yes. He's talking about the people that are saying, here's this new gospel, and they're not very loving. The other thing you're going to say, and we're going to blow ahead because I've just shot past my time. Here we go. Forget the notes. Um, here's the other thing. The other folks are going, hey, 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 hey. We know God. And he says, do you love? No. You don't know God. Why? Because God's love. How can you say you know God and not love when God, 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 God's love? By the way, how can you say you've been born of God? You're now a child of God. The Holy Spirit lives in you. When, when, When God's love and you ain't, how can you say? And their other battle cry was, hey, we've seen him. And he goes, number one, no one's seen God. He said that in the Gospel of John. No one's seen God. The only way we see God is in the face of Christ. No one's seen God. I don't believe your mystical experience. It holds no water here. No one's seen God. But, but, if we love one another, get this, they're claiming to see God physically. John says, if we love one another... I got good news. God doesn't manifest in the flesh. No one's seen God. God doesn't manifest in the flesh in that way. No one's seen God. Jesus is in heaven. How does God manifest in you loving the people in this room? Do you want to make God known? Do you want God to be manifested? Oh, that's simple. Obey the command. Wouldn't it be so cool if God showed up? Well, maybe. We'd probably all hit the deck. I'd be a bit scared. But wouldn't that be awesome? Here's the thing we forget. Every single time you obey the command to love like Christ loved, to love like God loved by sending Christ, every single time you obey that command, God shows up. He manifests himself. And get this, he doesn't just show up. He takes that love that he's given you and perfects it. 
It's like a closing an electrical circuit. I'll use my son. Jimmy knows dad. Dad gives him love. Dad gives him the love he has, analogy breaks down, but for his mom. Listen, when Jimmy was little and he would go, hey, dad, it's like, no, pal, you don't get it. You don't treat your mom that way because I loved her a lot longer and a lot more than I ever loved you. If I ever hear you say that to your mom again, you know, I won't do this because I'm a Christian, but let me remind you what my dad used to tell me. If you say that again, you're on the floor because she was my wife before she was your mother. Now, let's take that slightly worldly analogy. It's got testosterone, though. Let's take a slightly worldly analogy. There's this inner Trinitarian love. The Father loves the Son. The Father who loves the Son is only God can love. Sent His Son to die for you. The Son experienced the rejection of God. All He'd ever known was the love of God. He experienced the rejection of God. God, when he raised him up again, validated everything by the resurrection, Jesus ascended back into heaven. This love, God poured out. When, when God said, because my, my son's a Christian, Jimmy, I'm going to save you. And Jimmy responds to God. There's something that happened that Jimmy was unaware of. Romans 5 tells us, God poured his love into Jimmy. And it's not the love of a a puddle in a pothole. It's like the love of Lake Okeechobee. He poured out his love. In that verse in Romans, it's talking about a one-time experience when he got saved, but it's also talking about an ongoing, existential, tasting, experiential knowledge of the love of God. The very love that God had for Christ, he gave both for us to experience and for us to cry out, Abba, Father! But not just for that. He gave it as a gift and he commanded you. He said, listen, here's this gift. You have the very love of God. Love is from God. It is supernatural in its origin. You cannot learn it. You cannot be educated into it. It is a gift reserved only for my children. Here it is. And what a shock then that John then tells us, take that love and use it here. And if you don't, you've got to ask a question. Do I have it? Remember, follow the logic. He only gives it to his children. If I don't have it, I've got to ask a question. Am I his kid? Now, here's the good news. If you confess your sin, it's presence, not perfection. So, let's say in 1922, you loved once. And it was that sacrificial love that God gave you. But I'm not loving now. Here's the good news. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just. By the way, start loving again. 
but I'm scared. I mean, they just had NASCAR in Hialeah again for the first time in forever. So pretend you're on that NASCAR track. I am from the South. I know that. Um, pretend you're on the Hialeah track. Have you ever figured that your love, can you imagine if you're trying to love somebody in this room with that God kind of love? Isn't it refreshing to know that you can't do it? Love is from God. Here's what it looks like. God is the source of true love. God's love is true love. It looks like the cross. It looks like what God did. So that defines it. It's sacrificial. It's active. It moves and grooves. It gets something done. It's observable. It has an effect. Good. That's how you're to love the people in this room. Oh, I know there are other Christians, but we're talking to a local church. That's how you're to love the people in this room. Like that. Like that. That's how it looks. How does it look? Oh, like that. What does it look like for me? I don't know, but like that. What does sacrifice look like? What does proactive look like? What is loving somebody that ain't like you? Because I don't know if you noticed, none of us were like God. We're all created beings. He's the supreme being. He's at a pay grade slightly higher than us. What does it look like? Like that. It looks like giving up something at great cost for the good of someone else. It's what Paul in Philippians says. Oh, it's okay to have your own interests, but love others more than your own interests. Put others ahead of your interests. It's 1 Corinthians. It trots out all the stuff. It's not for a wedding candle. Welcome back. It's not just for a wedding candle. No, it's, it's, it's what it looks like in a local church. Beloved. You're in the club. You're in the family. Beloved. You've been given that love. That's why he's calling you beloved. Beloved, let us love one another. Don't do these things. But it's not enough to not do. You've got to do. But what does it look like? Oh, that. End of definition. Because if we define it, you've got a checklist. Did, no, no, there. Why don't you ask God what that looks like for you? And by the way, it's not ethereal. It's towards the person one row behind you. Love is of God. Everyone born of God and knows God loves. Because, of course, duh, God is love. And children resemble their father. Here's the good news. He's given you the goods. He has loved you. So he doesn't say do something impossible and then not come along beside you. He doesn't say, hey, NASCAR, get on your little motorcycle. I mean your scooter. See, because that's what some of us feel like. Actually, I want to address two things. I don't have the goods, and I'm scared because I've done that before. Okay, first, I don't have the goods. We're at the highly racetrack. Mm, you, you've got it up to one RPM. Mm, and you know the minute you go out there, you're dead. The guy with the slanted number three is going to come back and whack you. If you step out there... You're going to get run over. You're scared and you know you cannot do it. But 
Sacrificial love provides positive proof that you've been born of God. What do I do? You recognize it's a gift. You recognize God's spirit is in you and he will empower you. You recognize that you didn't earn this. You're, you're, you're a new creation. And for the first time ever, you can do it. You do, you're right, left to yourself. Here's the good news. God comes with this tow truck. And he, and, he, and he puts your little motorcycle. And then the tow truck goes. How many of you had sons? Do you know, you remember the, remember the first time, well, all of us, all the men in this room remember the first time we wanted to mow the yard. And our dad's like, no, son. And you're like, no, no, dad, I want to, I want to, I want to. And mom's afraid you're going to get your foot cut off. And, and, you know, here you go. And I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to. And dad finally goes, okay, good, knock yourself out, let's do it. So what happens? Well, dad cranks up the mower because you can't even pull the string. Dad cranks it up, and what do you do? You walk under dad, and there's that little bar. Everybody thinks that's a bracing bar. No, really, that's the kid bar. That's, that's where that five-year-old latches hold. And what happens? Well, when you're five, you're going, I'm mowing the yard. Yeah. And mom's over there going, yay. Mom's like the church. Yay. You go, girl. You know, mom, you know oh, you're doing great. Look at my boy. When we get to heaven, we're going to find out. I'm serving the Lord, right? (laughs) Look at my love. This is studly, right? God provides all this, and all he wants you to do is just push the little bit that you're able. Here's the good news. You ain't got game. That's liberating. Love is from God. Beloved, let us love one another. Because love is from God, son. I'm scared. I... I, I, I tried that and I got burnt. No, I'm not going to love again because I love these people of God people and they didn't love me back. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I am never going to open up. I'm never going to be proactive. I ain't never doing that again. So help me me. I made a promise to myself. You know, I remember one time I did. I had a really bad experience in a church. Terrible experience. I, like, sold my soul for this church for a number of years. Corey and I were first married. It wasn't the big church I was talking about. It was another one. And, and I just, we did everything. Man, we did the love one another stuff. We were serving. We were moving and grooving. We did everything for everybody in the flesh. But we did everything for everybody with significant expectation. We did everything for everybody, you know, just like that. And when they didn't reciprocate, I was like, I became a Cuban. 
And we walked away, and I did. I made, I made a promise to myself. I ain't never doing that again. I ain't never going to do that again. I'm never doing that again. And then the Lord reminded me, hey, pal, it's a gift. It's not your love. It's a love that's been shed abroad in your heart. It's a love that's been poured out to you. It's a stewardship of the very love of God. And he wants you to take his love and give it away. His love is perfected in us as we obey the command. It completes the circuit. He gives it to me. I give it to them. They go back and praise God for what I've done. And the circuit is closed. The love of God is perfected in us. The love of God. We've seen God. No, you haven't. But here's how people will see God in you. When you take this supernatural love that everyone knows you don't possess, and it looks so different from anything you can possibly do. I mean, look in the mirror. You are a... Ask your wife. Sucker's still in the garage. But I'm scared. Okay. Here's a good Calvinist view of, of works. You ever skied? You get up on there. You're ready. You're on the bunny slope. No way but you want to because you see all these other people. I'm talking to scared people right now. You see all these other people. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> no way. Cool. <laughs> no way. Listen, here's the good news. God says, lean forward. Here's your responsibility and love one another. Lean forward. And this gravitational pull of the Holy Spirit will take care of everything. I'm scared. Good news. Bunny slope. It's the people in here. Even the one you're not going to sit beside. That's the one you got to go. I've never told... No, don't, don't tell anyone this. This is in your heart. I've never told you this, son, but I don't like you. Um, I've never told you this. Now, what do I do? I'm scared because if I step out, he's not going to love me back. Or I'm jealous because the other people I see, everybody here loves everybody, but no one loves me. You know, how come no one calls me up? I'm going to have the last say. What's up with that? I noticed you had the first birthday party. You had the nine-foot speakers, but I didn't get a call. How come Al's not doing my father's funeral? Boy, it's easy, isn't it? And you go, oh, well, I can't love. Right! Here's the good news. Just lean forward, and the Holy Spirit comes behind you and goes, hoo-hoo. And you're in for the thrill of your life. Listen.
take your Bibles real quick to, to John 17. God wants to remind you of his true love again today. Verse 25. Jesus is praying a prayer that includes us in this prayer. He's not praying just for the disciples. He's praying for those who will believe after the disciples have done their job. He's praying for us. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known. Here's the operative word. I want to make sure you know I'm not preaching heresy. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them. Tie that verse to love is from God. Tie that verse to Paul in Galatians saying, he loved me and gave himself for me. Jim, how do I get past my fear? Jim, how do I get past I don't have it in me to do this? That's simple. It's real simple. Here's where you start. Here's where you stay. Here's where you finish. Focus on God's love for you. It has a transforming effect. Have you ever noticed the more you think about God's love for you is displayed in the gospel? Not a mushy love, not a... No, no, the real stuff. True love. Have you ever noticed that as you focus on Him and what He's kindly done for you, that you begin to want to take risks again? Have you ever noticed how when you focus on him and what he's done for you, it's this most bizarre thing. You think it would be selfish. But actually, as you focus on what he's done, your heart melts. You want an antidote to bitterness? Show mercy because you've been shown Mercy. You want an antidote to apathy? You came after me when I was dead in my trespasses and sins. You want an antidote to fear, to love somebody in this room that you know is not going to love you back? You loved me before I loved you. It's not that I love God, which was the false teacher's claim, and they weren't, but that God loves me. Don't, don't, right now, I want to ask you not to think about everybody else in the room. Not to think about God saving his people, biblical concept, biblical truth. But what I want you to do right now is think about God saving you. Because you can't give away what you don't possess. That was a problem with the false teachers. We love God. No, you don't. You don't possess God's love. It's evident because you don't love others. So, maybe you're in here and you're not a Christian. This command you cannot obey. 
It's not possible. Because the love that God is commanding you to exercise, if you haven't surrendered your heart and your life to Christ and trusted in Him, this love is only given to His children. Now, good news, you can become a child of God today by repenting of your sins. Christian, which I'm sure is the majority of people in this room, do you feel your love cold? Now, probably not towards this person, that person, this person, and that person. But right now, I'd like you to focus on the person that you're already thinking about. The one I've been referencing the entire sermon. The person that you perhaps gossip. The person you kind of give the shot to. The person you're scared to reach out to. Because they're not going to love you back. Which is, of course, assuming the best in their motive. Or the person that they've proven again and again they're not going to love back. Because you've tried. You know, the person that the phone only dials one way towards. The person you've had over, but you've never darkened the door of their house. The person you're thinking of right now. Beloved, let us take the sacrificial gift of the God kind of love, the love he has for his son, the love he has poured out in your heart, the love he has given to you. And love one another. For love is from God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Take the risk. Sacrificial. Proactive. Risky. With no reward. Wrong. God will reward you on that last day. And by the by, remember the front part of the verse? He's come to give you life. All them people that are skiing down the bunny slope, having a great time, oh yeah, three or four of them break their legs, but they come back next year. You ever noticed everyone who skis, water skis, whatever skis, they, if they live, they, they, they have this incredible story. It's like, oh, yeah, I did this right here. And it's like, how many years ago? 15 years ago, my first time. Really? Yeah. I, oh, yeah. 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 And no one goes, yeah, so I've never done it again. They always go, oh, yeah, this was a tree and this was a rock. And then I threw my shoulder out here when I hit another person. I fell off the lift, and that's what this is. Listen, you're going to have love war stories that keep you coming back for more. Because love ain't from you. And he's active. And what he asks of you He'll work in you and through you. And then go figure, after you're dead, he'll reward you, little boy with the lawnmower, for what little teeny bit you've done. See, that's why all glory goes to God. 
Hey, Dad, I'm a stud muffin. And everybody around's like, no, you're not. But isn't it cool? You're trying. Let's pray. Lord, let us obey the command to love one another. And let us love with the love that's from you. And let us love like you loved when you sent your son. And Jesus, let us love like you loved when you died for us. And Father, let us resemble you in our love. Let us show the family characteristic. Oh Lord, we won't be your twin. We can't look exactly like you. But we can resemble you. Lord, we can't love exactly like you've loved. We can't love at all like you've loved. But you solve that by putting your love in us. And now we're a steward. We don't have to do this. You've given us something. All we need to do is give away what you've given us. And Lord, you've promised that as we take tries, not as we're perfect, This is we just step out. You will perfect your love in us. The love of God is perfected in us by you. Lord, if we sin, we have an advocate. If we confess our sins, you're faithful and just and you'll cleanse us. And our sin does not disqualify us. You've expected us to sin. And you've paid for that sin. And now you want to continue to use us. Lord, one sin does not disqualification make. It gives us opportunity to get up and experience your glorious grace. And we can sit back and tell those war stories, Lord, and say, yeah, here's where I sinned. And look what God did. And Lord, here's where I failed and I didn't love my wife. Oh, and look what you've done. And Lord, here's where I was a terrible parent. But in spite of us, look at what you've done with our feeble efforts to love our children with Christ's love. And Lord, I didn't do it enough. That's right, Mom. Here's the good news. It's God's love, and he's active and at work. He's using you and will reward you for him using you. Oh, we cooperate. But you do it, everything. And you, you even give us a desire, so you get all the glory. But because you're kind and benevolent and wonderful, you will reward us in eternity for what you accomplished through us and in us. And the only reason you accomplish anything through us and in us is because something you've already done to us. Oh, it's not that we love you. You loved us first. And you gave us a supernatural gift. The very love you have for the Son. Now we get to give it to other Christians. And oh Lord, as the world sees that we love one another, you promised in John, the world will know that you sent the Son as they watch us love one another. Oh, it's not just for us. It has an evangelistic flavor too. And it brings you glory, Lord. As beings we don't even see that you record in Ephesians are watching the manifold wisdom of God as we love one another in the church. Lord, this is so much more than me taking a risk. This is cosmic in proportion. It's one of the reasons you died. That we may have life and that we may love. 
and we may be a witness. Help us, we pray. We're scared and we're burned out. Oh, let us get up and do it again. It gives us the opportunity to see that you'll come through yet again. And Lord, you've come through for us so many times. We know you're faithful. And we know we're praying according to your will. So we don't have to wonder. Help us to obey. In Jesus' name.